With that, I'm going to ask Melissa to come and bring forth the word. I'm excited to hear. She has been so gracious because I had part one, which I didn't know I had a part two, much less a part three, and what I did call part four, but ended up being part four. So <laughs> she moved back a few weeks, but I'm excited to hear what God's bringing forth. Well, thank you. So this, I'm going to turn the other light on. So this headset, oh, I probably shouldn't walk in front of it either, huh? Feels like I have a pager. Does anybody remember pagers? My dad used to have one for work, and I always thought it was the coolest thing ever. Now it's just kind of like in the way because we don't use pagers anymore. But anyhow, God truly is faithful. He is so faithful. All the testimonies, the songs, pointing to the secret place, to his faithfulness this morning, just set this up so good. He is so good. So a while back, I told you that I had this song on my heart from Kristen DeMarco, and it's called Take Courage, My Heart, or Take Courage. And there's a line in there that says, Take courage, my heart. Stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting. Hold on to your hope as your triumph unfolds. He's never failing. And that was back, oh, before Christmas. So, like, we're almost over a month into this, almost two months into this. And that's just been the cry of my heart, was to stay steadfast. To stay steadfast, positioned properly in front of him. And that's what we're going to talk about today, because there's been a lot of talk about this new thing that's being birthed. Not the next thing, because the next thing would just be a natural progression of something. Like, when you're little and you're learning to read... You learn your ABCs, then you learn your phonetical sounds, then you put some sounds together, and then you read the words. That would be the natural progression, the next thing. But this is the new thing he's doing, and we're going to look at that a little bit. It's kind of like a video game almost. I know all of you guys in here like playing video games. When we're positioned correctly, even if we maintain that position, sometimes we have to go back and we have to look at the last thing God told us to do. It's almost like leveling up, right? We go back, maybe we missed a gem or a key or, I don't know, some ammunition packet that when we get to the, the end of this, this, this round in the video game, when we go up against the big boss... Maybe, maybe, I know, right? The big boss. See, I'm remembering like Sonic the Hedgehog, Yoshi's World. Those were the video games I played when I was younger. And I would always want to get to the end as fast as I could. But sometimes I would have to go back because I would lose. And my brother, who was like the video game master, he would be like, you skipped this whole section. I'm like, that section wasn't important. It was the maze. It was the extra game. It was the add-on. And he goes, nope. That's where the key was. That's where the gem was hidden. You have to actually do that part so that you can bust through to the next level, right? So I was preparing over, I may have overthought this word over the last three weeks and the rescheduling, so hope it comes out well and not truly overthought. But so over the last few weeks, I'm like, I have this great word, this this new idea that I've been playing with and searching out. And he goes, no, 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 we need to go back. We just need to hold that and we need to go back because we need to revisit this new thing and we need to revisit the positioning of our hearts and lives um, for this new thing, this new outpouring. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to get right into it. 
And I really hope this word encourages you today. It's, it's truly a word of encouragement, of empowerment, and hope for tomorrow and many tomorrows in the future. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that you prod us into forward motion, that you open our eyes so that we can see things we've never seen, and that you open our ears so that we can hear things that we've never heard, so that we can be a people we've never been and the earth has never experienced. Lord, let no one leave without an infilling of courage and hope today. So as we talk about the new thing, sometimes we're really excited at the beginning. And we go and we're full of gusto and and we run out and we meet this new thing. But after a while, when the shiny starts to wear off a little bit and it becomes the everyday It becomes the mundane and we don't quite know where we're going and we're not quite sure where we're headed. And there might be a lot of uncertainty or maybe you know exactly where you're going, but you don't know the steps to get there. And it gets intimidating. It gets tiring. It gets painful. Sometimes in the beginning, growing feels like breaking. Sometimes in the beginning when we're growing, we have to actually embrace that process of change And that process of change requires trust, a renewal of trust. I love Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will make straight your path. It's that acknowledgement of him in all my ways. Do I understand it? No, but I don't need to understand it because I have trust that my father is a good father and that his goodness is running after me all my days. And in that goodness, I can rest and I acknowledge him even when I don't understand or see where I'm going. And he is faithful to make straight my path. And that kind of trust actually precedes Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. When we can have that level of trust, we can enter this verse in Ephesians. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or think according to his power that is already at work in us. When I can have that level of trust with God, he meets me in exceeding abundance beyond anything I can even think. And you know what's amazing? That power is already at work in us. It's Christ in us that hope of glory. It's already working. But I have to be able to have a God that I'm okay, not necessarily understanding, so that he can take me into experiences that I can't even imagine. And I know it's good because he is faithful and trustworthy. And any work that he he starts, he's faithful to bring it to completion. His blessings chase me in that secret place where I'm wrapped in his love when I take it out into the, into the communities, right? But if I say to God, if I can't understand it, I won't go. I'm not going to go very far. And he wants to take us beyond our understanding. He's looking for a people to trust him, to acknowledge him, in all their ways so that he can guide us in the exceedingly abundant encounters to show off his power and his glory, something that's already planted in us. Glory that we can't comprehend. 
And today we're going to look at a story. We're going to, I'm going to skip around a little bit. We're going to read Joshua three to five. I'm not reading all of it. You can follow along with me if you would like, or you can just listen because I really, I'm going to skip around a little bit. And this is the story of Israel. All right. I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory. The Israelites are free from Egypt. Moses has led them out. The Red Sea has been parted. God's leading them. He's given them the law. They're entering the promised land. They're getting ready to enter the promised land with Moses. And Moses sends out his spies into this promised land. All right, there were 12 of them, one from each tribe. And the spies go out and they look and they know that it's the promised land. They know that this is the promise, the covenant, the oath, the land that God pledged his oath to fulfill through Abraham. They know that this is the land. And they go out and they do see that is exceedingly good. But the 12 spies come back and they have the same experience. But when they come back, they have different perspectives of the same experience. And you have 10 of the spies who interpret things just merely through the facts and observations. In fear, without that trust leaning on God. And without that trust... We're led into intimidation and fear because then even later it said, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. The inhabitants of the land didn't call them grasshoppers. They called themselves grasshoppers. We were like grasshoppers. We were nothing. These people are huge. Yeah, the land is good, but these people are huge. And they didn't have the foundation of trust, even though they've even though they've been through the plagues, even though they've been through the first Passover, even though the Red Sea parted before their eyes, at some point they lost the wonder and trust. And they diminished themselves in fear. But there was Joshua and Caleb, and they looked at the exact same experiences. And they said, those things are true, but God is bigger, and he has given us this land. He has given us this land. And that's the kind of trust I'm talking about. And because they were able to hold on to that trust, to hold on to the wonder and the awe and the majesty of God, and they were ready to charge into this land, they were the only ones left from that generation to actually be able to enter in. After this took place, God kept the Israelites in the wilderness to the generate for until the generation passed away that didn't trust him fully. Joshua and Caleb were the only ones to enter in. And now Joshua is leading in chapter 3, Joshua chapter 3. Joshua is leading the Israelites, and it's finally the time. It's finally the time to go into the promise. And where I'm going to start in verse 5-ish. And Joshua tells the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I love that. Consecrate yourselves. Consecrate means to make clean. To be in right position, your physical body, your heart, and your mind. To come into alignment with the word of the Lord. To be holy and pure before him. And really that's all that's required for God to work through us as he's looking for a people to move. He's looking for that alignment so that his glory and power can be on display. And then Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up ahead of them. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know 
that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites. It lists all of their enemies. He's reminding them of the promise of God. He's like, the priests are going to go out first. But now let's remember the promise. Let's hold on to that promise so that we can experience, renew the trust in the position of consecrated hearts and minds. We renew the trust and we go out in the promise. And we see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth, and he will go into the Jordan ahead of you. And choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand in a heap. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge... The water from upstream stopped flowing and it piled into a great heap a distance away at a town called Adam, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Araba, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. Remember, this is the generation that has only heard the stories of the miracles God did for their ancestors. This is the generation that wasn't present for the plagues and the first Passover and the parting of the Red Sea. They lived where they were birthed and lived in the desert. And now it's their turn to experience the glory. And I love that the ark goes out first. God goes out before them. And who's carrying God? The church. The church. The people. And it was at flood season. So it's not like they could find a place to cross that was shallow. It was overflowing. We don't actually get a lot of flash floods around here, or we don't have a huge flood season. Maybe if you live out by uh, where the wind changes, where is that, Toussaint area, and, and things flood. But this river was overflowing. It was moving fast. It could have swept them away. And all they knew is, okay, my leader's saying, and God is saying, if I put my foot in this water, it's going to part. They had to go out and trust. They had to go out and trust. And as soon as they stepped into the water, that's when it parted. It parted in a river which flowed down. Jordan needs to flow down. It flowed through Adam and into death was cut off forever. What a beautiful picture that is of Christ. When God enters the situation... When the people of God enter the situation, when we step into the Jordan River, the power and glory, which is already in us now as a new covenant people, okay, it makes itself manifest and death is cut off forever. And we live in resurrection life and resurrection power. And it was then that they passed from the wilderness to the promised land. Because the water split and they were able to cross through. They passed from death to life. They passed from an old thing and an old way of doing things into the new thing. And it required an act of courage. They could not remain passive. They could not remain passive. Well, if God's going to do it, he's going to do it. Pour the water. Nope, they actually had to go out and act. They had to do it afraid. Passivity is kind of like the devil's babysitter. If he can lock you there in unchanging, eventually it leads to fear. 
But we need to take hold of courage. We need to position and consecrate ourselves for the act that God's asking us to do. And honestly, as the church, as a member of the body of Christ, I'm actually really excited because we get to do it first. We get to be the example to the world. We are the light of the earth. We are the city set on a hill. We are the salt. Is it scary? Oh, yeah. Is it worth it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So eventually they all get across. And Joshua says, these stones, and they go and gather stones, and they pile it up to build a memorial. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel. Tell the story. So they build this monument, and they're charged with this testimony. Now, they are the sacred keepers of this story of God, this testimony. And I love that it's stones. Because we know in Peter, I think it's 1 Peter, 1 Peter 2, that Christ is represented as the living stone. And they gather these stones and they build this monument and they share their story, they share their testimony, and their testimony, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And it breaks walls and it breaks mindsets and it breaks hearts and it changes perspectives. And they remember what God did for them because things just get bigger from there on out. Yep, they crossed the Jordan. Now they're in their promised land, but who's inhabiting the promised land? Nations of enemies that are out to kill them. They don't want them in their land. So it just gets bigger. So that's a stone that they have to hold on to. And actually you can take it to Babel too. The Tower of Babel, when the men got together, they decided to build the tower with bricks and that they were going to fire them and make them hard. And they were going to exchange the mortar for tar. They were going to build their tower to God. But Christ is the living stone. And they hardened their hearts. And look where that got them. But they chose the living stone. They held on to the testimony of Christ, the testimony of God. And they took it with them into the land and passed it on for generation to generation. And as they crossed through, according to how Moses directed them, so this was direction giving, given, so many of them, I think it says 40,000, 40,000 crossed armed and prepared for battle because they were right next to Jericho. So they crossed through, and the first group through, they're ready. They're armed, they're prepared. We got to remember the armor of God, guys. Whenever we go out, Now, God split the waters. He's keeping them safe. God knows what's going to happen. He knows that their enemies eventually are going to be terrified because of what they saw. But the Israelites didn't know that at that time. So they had to prepare themselves. We have the armor of God at our disposal every day, all day. And no sooner as their feet were set on to dry ground, the Jordan returned to its place and ran at flood stage as before. And then I'm going to go to five. The kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they crossed over and their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had the courage to face Israel. I love that. Their hearts melted in fear and they lost all courage and all threat of war at this time for Israel was gone because God showed up in power and glory. That phrase, melted 
The hearts melted in fear. It reminds me of Psalm 97, 5. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord of all the earth. We do face mountains that seem unmovable. And we go, okay, God, I trust you. Guide my steps, make straight my path. And he can lead us around the mountain, and he does. Or I say, okay, God, I trust you. Let's get over this mountain. And he makes my feet like hinds feet, and he sets me on high places, and he takes me over it. But we cannot dismiss the fact that the mountain melts before the Lord of all the earth. Sometimes we just got to go through it. And he leads us there. So now, now they celebrate Passover and the Lord leads them into a place of weakness and the entire nation has to be circumcised. Because their fathers in Egypt, they they maintained their covenant with, with God, but in the wilderness they rebelled against God and they did not maintain their covenant. Sorry. <laughs> they did not maintain their covenant. So now a whole generation of men have to be circumcised. They have to reposition themselves. They have to consecrate themselves. They have to hold their hearts and minds and physical bodies in proper alignment with God. That doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun to me. (laughs) But you know what? We experience circumcision of the heart, and sometimes that's not a whole lot of fun either. To come into alignment, perfect alignment with the will of God, perfect trust with the will of God, to obey, and obedience is... Going now, when you hear him whisper, I turn aside. So before they could enter the land and remove the inhabitants, they had to reposition themselves. They willingly entered into a place of surrender. That reminds me of when Christ entered his ministry. He's baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. The dove ascends, or descends, and it's made known. He's the Son of God. And then the Holy Spirit leads him into the desert, into the wilderness, to be tempted for 40 days. He willingly entered a place of weakness. When God is leading you, and he's initiating this surrender, this place of weakness, it brings about a birthing in us, and a purity in us that sometimes is very necessary. Even if it's hard, even if it feels like we're breaking, sometimes we just have to let it break away. Sometimes we have to move. And sometimes we have to sit. And we need to know the difference. And sometimes it's a mixture of both. Because shaking happens. And that shaking wakes us up. Because we can get complacent. We can let things go. We make little compromises. Little compromises lead to big compromises. And we need to know the time and the season. And he was waking up a whole generation to enter into the promise. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place was called Gilgal. 
rolled away the approach. Gilgal literally means to roll away or rolling or rolled. They went from death to life. The stone that covered the tomb of Christ was rolled away. And resurrection life was birthed for all who believe. They celebrate their Passover and the manna stops and they had to eat the food of the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they had to eat the produce of Cana. They had to learn a whole new way of living, a whole new economy where they would wake up once and go out and gather only what they needed for the day because it didn't last, right? And also it was the night before uh, Sabbath. There was a There was enough for the next day. But the manna didn't last. You only went out and you only gathered what you needed for that day. And now they're entering into a whole new season where they have to learn to cultivate the land, to steward the promise God has given them, to go out and learn those things. They've never once learned it. Maybe their, maybe their fathers and the generation before in Egypt, maybe, maybe they knew how to gather grain and sow and reap. But they've been in the wilderness their whole life. Talk about a whole new level of trust. I have no idea what I'm doing, but God, we got this and we're going to figure it out. A whole new level of trust. And you guys, we got to be careful too. Because all of a sudden, this supernatural manifestation that they became used to, all of a sudden it stopped, it dried up. But again, it was God initiating the change. And the supernatural was no longer happening to them. It was going to happen through them. They were moving positions. And they had to know that this manifestation, when it stopped, that's okay. Because God is taking us into the new thing. Now, I am part of the supernatural. God never stops moving. But sometimes the purpose changes. Because sometimes when God moves, you have a Saul who's knocked off his horse and he becomes a Paul. Or you have a David that's bold and courageous and kills the giant. Or you have Samson. When the Spirit of God came upon him, he got strong. Or you have... Who's another guy? Solomon. Yeah. That was wisdom. We can't just, we just have to be careful that we're not letting the new move of God offend us so that we shut down what he's trying to do. We have to let go of the old thing sometimes. But I promise the new thing's going to be amazing. Because remember, he wants to give us beyond what we can ask or think. Beyond what we've already experienced. So that we can be a people we've never been. A people the earth has never seen yet. We're moving from glory to glory. And God's not blind. He sees it all. He knows the times. He knows the seasons. He knows where we need to be. We need to be with him. 
And if we look at the end of this chapter, it even says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither he replied, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? God showed up. He showed up in the season and in the time, not early and not late. He showed up bringing the new thing and he initiated the change. And Joshua and the Israelites had to keep their heart in position. They could not be offended. They could not live in fear or intimidation. They had to remember the monument they built to the testimonies of God. And they had to take those with them into the land. And eventually, they go into the land, and they take it, and they dwell in the land. But they don't completely fulfill what God's called them to do. Again, they let those little compromises turn to big compromises. And now you have a generation of people, Joshua included, who are older and they're passing away. And the generation coming after them, they don't know. They don't know the story. And because they didn't rid the land of all the giants, they left giants in the land, both metaphorically and literally. They left giants in the land. Now the generation coming up has to remember who they are in Christ, well, in God, Christ, okay? And they have to stand up to these giants. And I want to just jump real quick to David and Goliath, and I'm going to make it quick. We're not going to go through the whole story. And Goliath of Gath is one of them. David's already anointed king by the prophet Samuel. And he comes. And he comes in front of the Israelite army. He and his Philistine army. And he's the principality. They're the ruling power of the area. And I'm sorry, but kings, deliverers, Christians, you're going to come against principalities and you're going to come against powers. But remember, we have to stand in the armor of God. And for 40 days, Goliath comes out and he challenges the army of Israel and he strikes fear into the heart of Israel. And he says, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight. And if Goliath won, the Israelites were going to become their slaves. And if Israel won, the Philistines were to become their slaves. And for 40 days, army, a whole army of people was moved into submission by one voice, the voice of the giant. One voice. And then David shows up, and he's there because his father told him to come, check on his brothers, you know, give him some food, see what's going on. And he hears this. And he hears the threat, and he starts to ask questions. I love it. What did he say? What's the reward? Wait, what's the reward? He actually asked that twice. And he starts to ask questions. And he goes, well, why not me? And Saul hears of this, this young man asking these questions, and he calls them to himself. And he, and, and David says, don't worry, your servant will go out. Don't, don't let your heart faint. Let your servant go out and defeat this enemy. And Saul, who's also in fear because he is the king, 
the sitting king of Israel, says, okay, but you go out and you go out in my armor and I'm going to give you, you know, my sword and my helmet. But it's, but it's all in fear. Like, I'm going to clothe you and you go out for me. And David's like, no, nope, I'm going out for God. I can't go out for you. I have to go out for me. I have to go out for God. I have to go out for these people, for this nation, the chosen people. And David goes out and his brothers start attacking him. Who are you? You're just here for gossip. Why are you even here? You're too young. You have no idea how to fight. He's been fighting. You're a man of youth. He's been fighting since his youth. But David goes over to the stream. And he picks up five smooth stones. Again, we have stones. Representative of the living God. The stories of power and testimony, because they're smooth, they're well-worn, they've been held many times, and he grabs five, just like the monument, just like the monument at the Jordan, just like Christ is our living stone, just like the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And he picks up that first stone that's been well-washed in the water. And he goes, I remember this. This was that lion that grabbed my sheep and took off and I chased him down and I grabbed him by the hair and I saved the sheep. And when he turned to attack me, I killed him. And he picks up another one and he goes, this one was the bear. It took me by surprise. I had no idea it was stalking me for days. And it pinned me up against the rock. It cut me. I have a scar. But God, but God delivered me. And this one, this one was that party that my brothers were talking about. The prophet was coming. There was going to be a feast. There was probably going to be music, but I wasn't invited. I had to go work the field. Not the field, the sheep, be the shepherd. But God showed up. And that party didn't start until David showed up. And he was anointed. And then he picks up another one and he goes, This is that medical diagnosis. They said I only had so long to live. This is when I lost my job. And I had no idea how I was going to pay my bills. This is when my kid was sick. This is that problem I've had with a coworker. This is that compromise I let sow seeds in my heart that I have to actually pull out by the roots and it hurts so bad, but God. And he grabs those five stones And he goes to the front of the line and holding the stones. And in the name of God, he runs to the battle. He runs to the battle. And how do we defeat the enemy? We defeat the enemy. Oh, hang on. It just flew out of my head. By the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, and loving not our life unto death. You have to finish that verse. We stop short. We stop short all the time. By the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. Yes, but you have to finish the verse. And loving not my life unto death. Giving it all. Risking it all. Surrendering all. Trusting all. And he kills the giant. And he goes over and he takes Goliath's sword 
And he cuts off his head. And he uses that sword in all of his future battles. And what's funny is he carries that head around a little bit for a while. He takes it to Saul. He takes it to Jerusalem. I don't know. The head stays with him for a while. It seems kind of gross, but that's what it says in scripture. And he carries it around. And when he stepped out, when he stepped out with his all, loving his life, not unto death, the whole army of Israel rallied behind him and they chased the Philistines all the way to the Mediterranean Sea and they were no more. The one act of boldness, the one act of courage. Sometimes we have to remember and we have to revisit our hardest times. I think... We're afraid to go back even when we've obtained victory because it hurts so bad. But that's where the honey is. That's where the sustenance is. That's where we can go back and use it as our weapon to move forward. We don't need to be afraid of the hardship because we acknowledge God in all our ways. And we trust he's going to make straight our path. So that what? So that Ephesians happens. What was Ephesians? Let's look at what Ephesians was, because I don't remember it right now. Yeah, I know. I should remember it, huh? Because he who is able to able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all I can ask or think, according to his power that works in me, he shows up in glory, he shows up in power, resurrection power. Don't be afraid to go back and to revisit the hard places, to find the victory, to look for the fingerprints of God. He's there. There is no place his mercy and grace cannot find you. There is no place. Actually, the story of Samson is a great experience. There was literal honey in his defeat when he was on his way to Philista. He killed the lion, which represented the principality of Philista at the time. And when he went back, the carcass was laying on the side of the road and in the carcass was honey. Go back. Remember. Find those fingerprints of God. Find where the mercy and grace held you and then weaponize it. Use it as part of your story to defeat the enemy. Because just like the Israelites, they crossed the Jordan and that was the first step. And you could sit looking at all of the other steps, you could say that was the easiest, but it still required trust and faith and a right heart towards God. When I woke up this morning, I thought of Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. And again, I love that second part of the verse. As we have opportunity, as it's presented to us, as it's given to us, we don't always have to go out looking for it. Sometimes it just comes right across our path. We get tired sometimes when we go out and we look for the things that we want to do. But God is faithful in his timing to bring them across our path. And we just need to have eyes to see what we haven't seen before. Or ears to hear the direction that he's leading us that we've never been before. And then we can't sit in passivity. We have to actually act and move to keep our body, our mind, and our heart in position with him. Because there truly isn't a place where mercy and grace can't find you. 
Because God turns mourning into dancing. He gives beauty for ashes. He turns shame into glory. And then I love the verse of this song. He turns seas to highways, bones into armies, and graves into gardens. So I truly hope today as you go out, we're going to pray here. I truly hope today as you go out that you would be overcome by courage. That you would let your heart rest in perfect alignment with the heart of the Father. That you would see his fingerprints, his moving, his speaking, his dancing across our lives. And you would acknowledge it. Sometimes we don't recognize it. We have to learn to recognize it. And then he's going to make straight our paths and show up in power and glory. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you for these people. Lord, I just pray that you touch each and every heart here. I just pray that you would overcome them with courage and boldness. That you would prod them to forward motion. Sometimes that forward motion is rest. Let us know the time. Let us know the season. Like the sons of Issachar. Let us be bold like David. Let us stand for one act to rally a whole army that's being silenced by one voice. Let us have the courage to step into the river, to enter into the place of weakness, and to let you grow us so that we can be the hope for nation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good word. So, just want to take this opportunity to uh, sign off to the live stream. Thank you all for being here. Bless you as you go. Um, It's a really good word. I encourage you to remember those testimonies throughout your week. You know, it, it can do it as you go. There are so many testimonies which you have. And uh, sometimes we don't always see them in the moment because all we can see is our trouble, our, our difficulties. We see the lion, we see the giant, right? But I'm telling you, there's, there's just so many testimonies of his faithfulness that, that we're called to remember. And so may God bring those to your remembrance this very day, even some this very moment throughout the week so that whatever's standing in front of you you can totally defeat by the blood of the Lamb and the word or the testimony of His faithfulness. Right? What was the last part? I'm trying to see who's listening and and not loving your life unto death. So it's a good word. Be blessed. Have a great week. And uh, look forward to seeing you all next week. And thank you for joining us. If you need more, uh, if you don't know this Jesus whom we are speaking of, we encourage you to go to arcgenoa.org and click that Meet Jesus button. And you'll hear a whole lot more about him. And we'd love to see you here uh, even next Sunday. So, blessings. Amen.